0: Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's recording of Redeemer Church of Knoxville's Sunday Sermon. We're really glad to have you with us because we know that there are a million different podcasts that you could be listening to right now. So we're thankful that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us. We hope that this recording will be an encouragement to you and that God, by His Spirit, will use His Word to remind you of Jesus' love. If you would like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. To do that, please email us at office at redeemernoxville.org. We also wanna give a quick thank you shout out to Evie Andrus and Parker Green, who you hear playing our awesome intro and outro music here each week. Lastly, if you'd like to support Redeemer and her mission to Urban and University Knoxville, please visit www.redeemernoxville.org and look for the little give button in the top right corner. Thank you so much. And here is this week's sermon. Well, if you have a Bible and you would like to follow along with me, you can do so by turning to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. The book of Revelation is at the back of your Bible. You can also follow along with me in your bulletin where it's easily provided for you if you'd like to do that. I do want to welcome you to Redeemer this morning. It's great to have you with us. My name is Sean Slate. I'm the pastor here, and we are so glad to have you with us this morning because we know that there are a million different things that you could be doing this morning. Uh, we all know that Knoxville is empty this week, and so you could be anywhere. I mean, you could be at the beach, you could be in the mountains, you could be in Europe, you could be in Asia, you could be in Africa, Central America, you could be at your family reunion, you could be running after the ice cream truck, or you could be over at Big Jim's fireworks trying to get ready for the weekend, or you could be getting dressed up to go to the Minions movie, like all the kids on the internet are doing, uh, but you're not doing any of that, you're here, and it really is great to have you with us this morning. And the reality is that there really is nothing better that you could do with your time uh, than to worship Jesus and to consider his claims upon your life to think about the kindness of his word and the power of his kingdom. And so I do want to thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome to Redeemer. Uh, well, what is Redeemer? Uh, Redeemer a church. And what that means is that we're a community of people who are trying to learn how to love God and we're trying to learn how to love our neighbor. And fundamentally what we believe is that Jesus is God, he's the Messiah, and he's entered into the world uh, to die for our sins and to reveal the love of the Father. And so every week as his people we gather together uh, to worship him so that we might learn to rest in the love that God has for us in Christ. And as we rest in his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in community. We love to go to big gyms, we love to shoot off fireworks, we love to go to the lake, we love to do all kinds of things together. But we especially love to read the Bible and pray together so that we might remind each other of the great love that God has for us in Jesus. And as we rest in his love and as we remind each other of his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in service. So that together we might reflect the love of God to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors who are here in Urban University Knoxville and hopefully in some way. It would spill out into the entire earth, right? That's who we are. We're people who are trying to learn how to love God. We're trying to learn how to love our neighbor as we rest, as we remind, and as we reflect. And so, to help us do that, uh, we've been in this short little five week series on God Speaks. And here's what I've been wanting us to think about I've been wanting us to think about this idea that, that God speaks, and that God speaks good news. And that God speaks good news about his son. And that God speaks good news about his son uh, with joyful testimony. And that God speaks good news about his son with joyful testimony and deep longing. And so this morning we want to consider this idea that he speaks good news about his son uh, with joyful testimony and deep longing, right? Deep longing. And so that's what we want to think about this morning. So let's look together. Revelation uh, 21 verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The word of the Lord. Uh, Would you pray with me now for the teaching? Uh, Heavenly Father, we are uh, thankful for this, your word, and it is our prayer uh, that you uh, would speak. Uh, You've spoken in your word by your spirit and ultimately you've done so in the person and work of Jesus. And so it's our prayer now that as we attend unto your word for these next few moments, that by your kindness you would attend unto us, that we would see lovely and beautiful things about you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of or seen this hip, cool, new play, musical, it's called... Hamilton, and it's about this man whose name is Alexander Hamilton. And throughout the play musical, he keeps singing about, and everyone throughout the play sings about how they've never been satisfied. And you might even remember at the wedding. Uh, His sister-in-law Angelica sings a toast to the groom, to the groom, to the groom. You can join me whenever you want. Uh, To the bride, to the bride, right? From your sister Angelica who's always by your side and to your union and to the hope that you provide, right? Uh, May you always uh, be satisfied, right? And then she goes on to sing at the end. And I know uh, she'll be happy as his bride. And I know he will never be satisfied. And then she says... I will never be satisfied. And I think uh, this song has resonated with many of us because if we're honest, we've also never been satisfied. Uh, We go through life wanting to be satisfied, longing to be satisfied. And even though many of us are happy and we have good lives, uh, if we're completely honest, most of us have never fully been satisfied. And because we haven't been satisfied, it is easy for us to feel like we're doing something wrong. Or to feel guilty because we love Jesus. And we know that Jesus loves us. And we know that Jesus lived. And we know that Jesus died. And we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And if he did all of that, shouldn't we be satisfied? And yet the reality is, we've never Been satisfied. And to be honest with you, I think that our lack of trust in the Bible has more to do with our lack of satisfaction than it does any intellectual argument that we actually might lay at the feet of the Bible. Because it seems to me that we often read the Bible, we pray, we go to church, and yet we still long to be satisfied. And because we're longing to be satisfied, it's easy for us to think that we must be doing something wrong or that that Christianity must be wrong. Or because we haven't been satisfied, Christianity must not be true for me. But what the Bible is trying to do is make sense of your longings. Maybe the Bible isn't saying you would be satisfied if you got it right. Maybe what the Bible is trying to do is to make sense of all of our longings. And maybe the story of the Bible is a story that tells us uh, you haven't been satisfied and you never will be satisfied until Jesus comes again. I want you to think about it this way. Let's say we're downtown and we're walking around Market Square and and you see this new construction going on. There's a fence, uh, these footers, they've been dug. uh, There's uh, metal that's beginning to rise up into the sky. And as you pass by this construction site, you, you begin to wonder and you think, hmm, I wonder what they're building Maybe it's a new hotel, like all the other hotels that are being built downtown. Or uh, maybe it's a new NIL building for the UT Athletics Department who's doling out a ton of money, and they need a big building for all the money they're giving away. Or or maybe we could all dream that it would be a four-story Panda Express with a dodgeball dojo in the basement. Uh, But the only way that we'd really be able to figure out what's being built is uh, we either wait for the construction to be finished, right? Or uh, we talk to the builders, we talk to the architects. Anything else in that moment would be mere spe- speculation. And I think that's important for us to think about because that's where we are. Uh, things have begun to be built, they're not complete, and we live in the middle. And this is important for us because I think that one of the biggest problems for us as Christians is that we forget that the Christian story isn't complete yet. And so we're always trying to secure something from the past. We're always frustrated with our present. And so it might not, uh, you know, it might not be as big a deal for some of you who are young, but for an old guy like me, it's easy just to live in the past And it's easy to get stuck in the past. It's easy for us to long for those good old days when you ran out of the locker room to come on, feel the noise. Or you ran out of the locker room to We Are the Champions into eighth grade gym. Or to remember, you know, those good old days when you lived in another town or when you had another job or when life made a lot more sense to you. And often for us as Christians, we long for those glory days. We get stuck in those glory days. We we long for those days when everything was great. We long to have a different life. We long for things to be like they used to be. And in a sense, I think many of us as Christians, we're living misdirected lives. We're trying to secure the past rather than living towards what God is doing. And we're living towards the past because we want what we had. We want to get back to a world that we understand. We want to get back to a world where we were in control. We want to get back to a world when life was easy and comfortable and good. The longer we live, uh, life uh, just happens. And life often gets more frustrating. And uh, the older you get, often the lonelier you are. And the longer you live, often the more confusing things become. And when life gets lonely, and when life is frustrating, and when it's confusing, it's easy to make this giant leap and think that because life is hard, God must not exist. And because life is confusing, then his word must not be true. Because if God existed, and if his word was true, then my life would be different Others of us, uh, we're just frustrated uh, by the present because we hate the past. We became Christians, and we thought that when we became Christians, everything would be different. We thought that once we believed in Jesus, every day would be like Disney World. Parades at the end of every day, a fast pass to get on all the right rides, fireworks to end the day. And Jesus died, Jesus rose, and now I believe. And so everything should be easy. Everything should be getting better. But it isn't. And when it isn't, isn't that the time when we begin to doubt? And when obedience is hard, isn't it easy for us just to look for a different word? And here's the problem we tend to forget that we are in the middle of the story. We're in the middle of history. And we tend to forget that God is still working to finish what he started. And again, this is important because it seems to me that we shouldn't feel, uh, be surprised, nor do we need to feel guilty that even now as Christians, we want something more out of life. it shouldn't be surprising that, that somehow uh, we are all dissatisfied. Somehow we all want more. And the reason for this is because we are all still waiting. We are all still longing for the day when God will fulfill all of his promises. When he will return and make everything the way it's supposed to be. Here's the point. The Bible is a story of deep longing. The Bible is a story of deep longing. It's a story of longing, right? It's a story of longing. Would you say that with me? It's a story of longing. And it seems to me that our tendency is to come to the Bible and to read the Bible in these fits and starts, to read the Bible just in bits and pieces. But unless we read the whole story from creation to consummation, we will misunderstand everything about the Bible. You see, the Bible is actually God's promise to us that he is making everything new. It is not the promise that everything is now new. It is the promise that God is making everything new. And I want you to notice the way he says this in verse 5. He says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You see what's going on here? What he's doing is, God is seated, seated on his throne, and he's saying, I want you to write my words down, because my words are true. You can trust my words, they will come to pass. And what is it that I am promising? Behold, I am making everything new. I want you to see this because God is saying that he is in the process of making everything the way it's supposed to be. And this is what we all long for because the reality is right now things are not the way they're supposed to be. And you all know this. Uh, we all know that there's something not quite right in the world. Uh, we know that there's beauty in the world. We see it, we experience it, we enjoy it. But we also know that there's something sort of warped and twisted in this world. It's sort of like there's an Instagram filter that's been laid over our, this world and be, distorting it, doing different things to it, strange things to it. Even though we still recognize the beauty, we still see that it's twisted. There's something not quite right. And you feel this right you feel it in all of your relationships those those relationships that ought to be better but they're not those relationships that ought to make you feel so alive and yet they make you lonely you sense it in the creation when you see the beautiful sunset and it you want it to last longer because it disappears so quickly you have these great friends in your life but you can't wait to get the new job and move away to another city you have good friends, but you're afraid to reveal yourself to them because you're afraid you might lose them. And then you're angry because your friends don't really know you. Uh, you. You love the night sky with all the beautiful stars, and yet we're all afraid to walk home at night. Here's what we know. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Everything uh, feels fragile, and everything feels temporary. Temporary. And what we want is we want it to be solid and permanent. And what the Bible tells us over and over again is that uh, things are messed up. Right? Things are messed up. But sadly, when we experience the messed up, for some reason, we tend to think that God isn't real. Or that God isn't true. Or that we can't trust the Bible. But if you have read God's word, if you have read the Bible, you know the point of the story is that the world is a mess. The, the world isn't the way it should be. Life isn't easy. And the point of the scriptures and the point that God is making through his word is he is saying, yes, the world is messed up and I will make it right. Right? The world is messed up, and I will make it right. I will make everything the way it's supposed to be. And that's God's promise. That one day, everything that is so fragile will become strong, and everything that's temporary will become permanent, and that which weeps will rejoice. All of us know this longing because that longing was built into us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. It was very good. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. People were in right relationships. We had right relationships with, with ourselves, with one another, and with the creation itself. But most importantly, we were in this right relationship with God. In fact, the beauty of the story tells us that they walked with God in the cool of the day. Could you imagine a perfect day going on a stroll with God, walking in the very presence of God? Could you imagine a day when uh, your relationships uh, weren't filled with lies and competition and shame? Could you imagine a day where you didn't feel lonely? Where you didn't hate yourself? Could you imagine a day when uh, creation was unspoiled by pollution and over-harvesting? That's how it all began. And it was good. But we know it didn't last as we know our uh, our father and our mother adam and eve they disobeyed god and once they ate the fruit nothing's been the same and, and even though jesus lived and even though he died and even though he's risen uh, we're still waiting for his return to make everything right and i think one of the lovely things that our savior jesus taught us is how to pray And when he taught us to pray, do you remember one of the things he said? He he taught us to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, guys, just go get it right. He said, cry out, lament, come to me, that God might make heaven come to earth. That's what we long for. We long for earth to be filled with heaven And the promise of the Bible is that one day, Jesus will come again. And when he comes again, we will enjoy this this new creation. And not only will we enjoy this new creation, we will be a new people. And we will enjoy the new presence of God once again. This is what all of us long for, and it is the narrative arc of history And it is the narrative arc of the Bible. The Bible is a story of longing. It's a story of longing. It's a story of longing. Would you say that with me? It's a story of longing. And we long for this new creation. Notice what it says in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. See it again in verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Isn't this what we long for? We long for the curse of this life to be done away with. Every day we wake up and we live in the shadow of sickness and sorrow and pain and death and we hate it. And we long to be done with it. We long for a day of rest and peace. We long for a day when when nations won't invade other nations. We long for a day when parents won't abuse their children. And when spouses won't abuse one another. We long for a day when friends won't betray us. When relationships won't end. And death will not take us. We long for the streams to run clean again. We long for COVID and cancer to no longer strike fear into our hearts. We long for the thorns and the thistles to give way uh, to flowers and fruit. That's what God is promising. See, the Bible is a story of longing, right? It's a story of longing. Would you say that with me? It's a story of longing. It's this longing for a new creation. But not just a new creation, but that we would be a new people. I want you to notice God's promise. It moves from this cosmic realm, new heavens and new earth, to this corporate realm. Not only will the creation be renewed, but we as God's people will be renewed. That God in his kindness and God in his mercy will renew us. Would you notice the way he describes the church? Verse two, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who is the New Jerusalem? The New Jerusalem is the people of God, and we are that beautiful bride. And I love this vision. I love this image because what this image tells us, it reminds us that we're not merely forgiven that we're not just tolerated, that we're not just put up with, but we are actually loved and beautiful to God. This is his promise to us right now. Right now, you are beautiful and you are loved by God. But there will be a day when he comes back And you will see that love. You're loved by him right now, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, no matter what other people say about you, no matter what you think. You are loved and beautiful to him. But on that great day, you will see the love. You will see everything that he has promised. And this wedding imagery is really powerful because what does every bride long to see? She loves to make the turn and see the face of her groom who receives her with great joy. She longs, she wants the tears. And that's the picture here, that that we will be given to Jesus. And he will receive us with love. But if y'all are anything like me, you look at your life and uh, you don't really feel beautiful. Uh, you don't really feel right. You don't really feel good enough. You, know, uh, you really want to be different, but you aren't. And, and sometimes that, that feeling of not being beautiful or not being what you know God wants you to be is the very thing that makes you doubt God. You doubt God because you're not who you want to be. And we doubt his word. And the point of the Bible is actually to encourage us, even in our failures, especially in our failures, with the fact that God is not finished with us yet. And day by day, he's making us more and more beautiful. And one day we will be everything that he has made us to be. You see, this vision is given to us in the text uh, to encourage us not to give up. This vision is given to us to tell us that we will not always be what we hate about ourselves right now. The, The vision is given to tell us that you don't have to be tomorrow what you are today. And it's given to us to tell us that that our prayers are not in vain, that our fight against sin is not in vain, that our service to God is not in vain, that our trust in God's word is not in vain. Because God is faithful to his promises. He says, write it down. My words are trustworthy and true. In one day, not only the creation... But we ourselves will become what God has declared us to be. Because God always does what he promises. You see, the Bible is a story of longing. Right? It's a story of longing. Did you say that with me? It's a story of longing. But the story gets better because God's promises aren't just about a new creation and they're not just about a new people. But there's also this new presence And and this really becomes the pinnacle of the vision, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now here's the point, here's the story of the Bible. Uh, The Bible in the beginning tells us that things were good, they were very good. Uh, Adam and Eve, they dwelt with God, rejoiced with God, celebrated with God. Then we sinned. And when we sinned, things were not good. In fact, they were bad, and, and and from that moment on, the point of the Bible has been that God is working to restore that which was lost, that, that God is working to restore that which was lost, that God wanted to uh, make good what had become bad, that, that God wanted to dwell with His people once again that he would restore his presence and this is what's really beautiful about the bible the bible ends where it began It began in the presence of god and it ends in the presence of god and god will dwell with his people he will live with us he will stand among us and we will see him face to face he will look us in the eye and he will wipe all of our tears And the faith that all of us have held on to and the hope that we have longed for and the promises that we have trusted, they will come true. And our faith will give way to sight. And the story will be complete. And it really is this presence that we all long for and this is why uh, we've never been satisfied. This is why no relationship has ever satisfied you. This is why no new car ever satisfied you, no job ever satisfied you, no state championship ever satisfied you, no grade ever satisfied you, no club, no internship, no jelly shoes, no silly bands, no uh, Instagram likes uh, have ever fully satisfied you. Because the longing in each of us is to be in the presence of God, to be in his promised loving presence. There's this famous quote by an ancient theologian named Augustine who says, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And that's true. But the reality is this, our hearts are restless even now until that glorious day when Jesus comes again and all of his promises are fulfilled And there will be a new creation, and we will be a new people, and we will dwell in his presence. And then and only then will we truly be satisfied. See, the Bible is a story of deep longing met in Jesus. It's a story of deep longing. It's a story of longing. Would you say that with me? It's a story of longing. And that's the point of the table as well. This table is telling us and reminding us that Jesus is the one that we long for. And the purpose of this meal is to be sort of an hors d'oeuvre. Uh, to be a reminder to us to, that, that Jesus is the one who satisfies our longings. And so he invites us to come to him, to come to this God who has come to us in the flesh. to to come to this God who gave his body and his blood for our sins, who gave his body and his blood to reconcile all things to himself, to make us a new people, uh, to, to give us a new creation, and to restore his presence with us once again. And he invites us to come to this table because here at this table, the Spirit of God is. And the Spirit who meets us at this table then feeds us with Jesus and in a way unites us to Christ, lifting us up to the Father, so that we might begin to taste and see his love. To see the one who will dry our tears. To see the one who will heal our wounds. To see the one who will feast with us in the joy of his presence. And so now he invites us to come. So that he might begin to fill our longings. So come with all of your longing. Come with all of your hope. And feast upon Jesus. See, the word of God, like this table, remind us that God's story is a story of longing filled in Jesus. It's a story of longing. Would you say it one last time with me? It's a story of longing. (laughs)